Hello, everyone, and welcome to Irenacast. We are a post-evangelical podcast of ministers and theological thinkers grappling with our place in the progressive Christian world. Thank you for joining us for another conversation on faith and culture. This is the last Tuesday of the month, which means it is time for me to be joined by my secondary co-hosts, Adam and Dylan, for another edition of Divine Cinema. This is where we take a break from our regular programming. Alan and Mona take the week off, and Adam and Dylan join me for a discussion on a Christian movie. Most of them will be bad. Our unofficial tagline is, watching bad Christian movies so that you don't have to. And this week, we have a good one. This one is called, If Footmen Tire You, What Will Horses Do? And it's from 1971. And as far as I can tell, it is the first End Times movie that would later be followed by such classics as Thief in the Night and, of course, Left Behind. So just real quick, if you're listening here, this is going to be a new kind of tradition for us at the end of every month. And if you want to watch this film, you don't need to buy it. You don't need to go on Netflix. You don't need to go anywhere. It's actually on YouTube. So if you check the show notes at irenacast.com slash 91, there'll be a link and you can watch this movie. It's about 45 minutes long. So if you want to go do that, pause this, come back to it. Otherwise, you know, you can just listen to us talk about it. But I will give you a warning. It is really graphic. It is not something you want to watch with kids or anyone who is not a fan of of horror films. And we'll get into that as we go in the conversation. So here's here's a little here's a little sample of the movie we're about to talk about. What's the matter, little boy? Where's my mama and my daddy? You killed them, haven't you? Yes. Think of how much better off you will be. The state will provide for you and take care of your every need. Much better than your mother or father either. I won't go, Sam. I want my mama and my daddy. Now you listen to me, little boy. What is done is done. You now belong to the state. Now you listen very carefully to what I have to say. We do not want to kill you. We will. Unless you cooperate, Ray. Now if you will step on this picture of your Jesus with your heels, they will let you go free. But if you don't, they will cut your head off. One day you died for me, now I'm willing to die for you. Why, you stupid little fool! Christianity is stupid! Christianity is stupid! Christianity is stupid! Communism is good! Communism is good! Communism is good! Communism is good. Can you hear that? Give up. Can you hear that? Give up. You find this shocking? There are things more shocking to come. Give up. All right. This is going to be fun. Um, So, (laughs) a a little bit of background. Uh, This was in 1971. And the director of this film, his name is Ron Orman, and he's actually kind of a, a pretty well-known name in the exploitation film genre um, that kind of sprung out in the, the 50s and 60s and then onward. And exploitation films are essentially films that push the boundaries of things that other films aren't willing to show or put on camera and take advantage of and exploit modern trends. So they're very, they're the type of film that are very much playing on the the culture that they exist in. So in a lot of ways, they're very, you know, they're good for film history because you're getting a glimpse of the culture in which it was around it. And the director of this particular film, his name is Ron Orman. He did films, a couple of them, one of them called The Exotic Ones or AKA The Monster and the Stripper. And then he also did another one <laughs> called Untamed Mistress in 1956. <laughs> and so th- these are the type of films that this man was doing. And he had this plane ride with his wife and his son. And they basically like woke up 
out of an unconscious state and the whole plane was torn apart and they were the only ones that had survived the incident and then had another plane incident shortly after that, which caused them to question, why did I survive? And eventually we go back on a plane after the first time. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And eventually converted to Christianity and was approached by someone who knew the pastor who kind of was the the mind behind this film, uh, Estes Washington Perkle. And that's how this union of filmmaker and pastor came together to make these films. And there's a, there's a couple others, actually, that they did together. There's a sequel called The Burning Hell, and then the other one called The Believer's Heaven. I think those are on YouTube as well. We'll try to put those in the show notes if they are. So all that to say, the premise of this movie is essentially it is a, it is a sermon. And the, the man in the film itself is Pastor Estes Washington Perkle, and he gives an end time sermon. And about a couple minutes into the sermon, a lady comes in late. It cuts to her and her boyfriend or the man that she's with. And she needs to keep up appearances. So she goes into church. She comes into the sermon late. And throughout the whole sermon, it cuts back to her. And she starts thinking about the message that Jesus is coming back soon and the communists are taking over. And it's interspersed between these hypothetical scenarios of what will happen if Christianity does not regain a foothold in American culture because the communists will take over. Eventually, it starts going to flashbacks for the woman, Judy, and she, you, you begin to learn that she had a relationship with her mom, and her mom had passed and wanted her to accept Jesus. And at the end, in the most climactic scene, when a young child's head is cut off and thrown down uh, a driveway in the church parking lot, she screams out, and then, spoilers, this is the big reveal at the end. She wasn't in a church service. She was at her mother's funeral and came down to the altar and accepted Jesus into her heart because Mr. or Reverend Perkle scared her into it. <laughs> so that a fairly accurate assessment of, I guess, the plot is difficult because this is kind of a, it's really based off a sermon. Did I miss anything? Uh, No, I don't think so. I think, well... I, I was a little confused at the end because she, her mom kind of like disappeared or the casket disappeared. Do you guys remember that? I think it was trying to go for like an effect of her watching over the funeral. Oh, sure. Okay. Or like a flashback. <laughs> I'm not sure. It, it was a little bit confusing the way that they, they, they filmed it. But the, the impression that I got was that that was the reveal, like the sixth sense moment, sixth sense moment where she's like, oh, she was dead the whole time but not her but it was her mom (laughs) okay good to know (laughs) yeah the the time play is especially confusing it's confusing because they use the same technique for like flashbacks as also as well as for like kind of like a flash forward this is what could happen and this is what has happened um so it's it's kind of confusing to know where you're at in the timeline yeah because the whole movie takes place in a church and then the first half of the sermon is all the horrible things that the communists will do if they take over and then then the second half is, here's how you need to respond personally to this and change your life. And that's where we kind of get the flashbacks. But yeah, it it, it, it takes some, a lot of liberty in the things that it wants to put out there. <laughs> so what, what caught your <laughs> attention the most in this film? Yeah, where do we go? Oh, uh, man. <laughs> in, uh, on the internet, when you search for it, I don't know if it's uh, Wikipedia or whatever, but uh, like the Google, the little short answer thing that pops up on Google says propaganda film and that seems very clear i remember watching um one of the very first propaganda films created uh, the battleship <laughs> potemkin and it just had a very similar feel of like uh of the pace lots of movement uh, in the flashbacks or the flash forwards or whatever um, but just clearly this was an anti-communist movie that seemed to be the main point <laughs> and it felt like that really overshadowed in many ways any kind of like religious relevance and I think that would be true of the time anyway, of like, I think most people that this film would be reaching were part of like the audience itself would be people who kind of saw themselves, especially like America as this Christian nation. I was going to say, it felt like a, kind of like a fever dream for most of it. <laughs> <laughs> and that mixed with, have you guys, I'm, I'm not trying to put down people with mental illnesses or anything, but have you ever interacted with somebody who's not quite all there mentally or is just kind of like operating on a different plane? It, it felt a lot like a movie version of that. And if that's what they were going for, then I think they succeeded because it was just operating under very uh, different, I think, circumstances than most most people. <laughs> yeah. And it went it went out of its way to like 
really try to legitimize the things that it was taken. Like he, he mentioned several times, like the wording was, here's another documented account of yeah, what happened a- in another absolutely. country. And then gave very like specific numbers, like this many million people. And if the communists take over, like 67 million pe- Christians will die. And it was like very like the way he described things was so specific. It was I wonder where he was getting all the information from. Like even to like yeah. at one scene, they were talking about how people were standing against the wall and he's like, and their noses will be seven inches from the wall. And you're like, why? Yeah. So why that many <laughs> inches? Like it was very strange. It's a detail oriented man. Yeah. Yes. I, yes. I felt the gap of culture. I mean, clearly, right? Like this was 40 years ago, more. Um, and just, yeah, the sense of how different our cultural experience. Um, I, I mean, it really felt like kind of like the last vestiges of the 1950s of what Christianity is, what the family is supposed to look like. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's starting to be attacked by the different movements that have been going on. Um, and so it's yeah. this, it felt a little bit like watching an old episode of Leave it to Beaver or something sure. where it's like, oh, I, like those jokes don't land anymore or those kind like, just because the context is so different um, to where I felt like, yeah, my, my kind of postmodern mindset is just not going to hold on. <laughs> Can't take this seriously. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's interesting because when I was like when I was watching it, I was I, I maybe that's just because we're in the midst or we're at the the end of a pretty exhausting election cycle, but I felt like the rhetoric was very familiar. It was very mm-hmm. current in the way that that he was talking, like the fear rhetoric that the, that that he was using about riots and police being killed and all the rhetoric that we see from from the right in a lot of ways. And if you just replace communism with the word terrorism, it was a lot, a lot like some of the speeches that we heard during this election season. And even like the strange young people that are coming into our church, like that's the word that he used. And you replace that with the millennials and what we're hearing today. I was surprised with how current it felt with that part. But then the other side of it, like what you were talking about, Adam, it was also so removed from yeah. the way that the world really is, which is kind of a, uh, seems to be so far in the movies that we've looked at uh, <laughs> a common thread. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's Absolutely. true. Like the, the frustration that we had with our current political season is that you go, how can anybody be buying this? How can anybody, you know, it's, for mm-hmm. me is like, no one, no one really thinks like this. Right. Um, but I think, so I think you're right. There is this complete, like you could substitute a few words and be like, Oh, this is very familiar, but you can see right through it. Right. This is silly. There's nobody, like, so he, at one point he makes a comment about how it took communism six days, I think, to uh, to overtake, like to basically conquer China. And they're figuring out ways they're going to, in the U.S. it'll only take 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> Come on, no one's taking this guy seriously. Um, but on the flip side, I, I do want to say like, I mean, communism was a serious thing, right? And they, mm-hmm. I can't imagine what it would have been like to have been compelled by some of these arguments that are being made, like the kind of fear uh, the way that people would have definitely responded to that in some ways then does match up to like today's, you know, our political scene as well, where it's like, oh man, are people really this uh, fearful or this, you know, afraid of what's going to happen? So I guess, I mean, that's kind of like, it, it, it had the same effect of like, wow, I really feel distance from this whole world and universe where it seems like this is believable. And I know at the time the movie was probably a push to like a little bit further, a little more extreme than what people were used to seeing. I don't know. I think it was pretty, I mean, this is coming at the tail end of the um, MacArthur and the Red Scare and people being blacklisted, especially in Hollywood and films. So this is kind of matching probably the tail end of that hysteric, but certainly matches its tone in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah, I I think I agree with the uh, what you said, Jeff, about how it, it mirrored some of the fear mongering that has gone on in this last political season. And for me, that was uh, a little reassuring that this isn't something that we've been seeing just in the current realm Mm. of politics, but it's been going on for, for quite a while reassuring in one sense, but also, you know, disappointed and sad (laughs) in another sense. For sure. That's, that's how people used to, to get people on their side against uh, different ideologies or things like that. Mm Mm-hmm. I have the same effect when I read a book from like, you know, that just seems to really speak to the current, uh, you know, spiritual climate or something like that. And mm-hmm. then I find out, oh, it was written like in the early 80s or the 60s or something. Oh, I yeah. go, really? We've had this around for this long and we still haven't figured this? <laughs> like, I mean, I guess I'm just get, find, finding stuff like that. But yeah. Oh, yeah. man. 
yeah, it is both disconcerting and like, well, I guess in some ways things have kind of been like this. So we shouldn't be overly surprised. We just were like, oh man. I don't know, maybe that speaks to a certain like progressive bias of thinking like we're further than we really are or trying to see future, you know, I mean, see the future or see like, you know, a, a hopeful vision, wh- which leads to possibly like overlooking and missing the fact that, oh man, so many people, um, whether or not I agree with them where they land, are though experiencing difficulty or experience, I mean, like right now, right? I mean, half the country seems to think it's worth it to take this kind of, you know, uh, gamble. You know, so there, there's this disconnect between their experience and my own experience that, yeah, gets just highlighted and brought to the forefront. What about uh, any any particular scenes stand out to you? I mean, there's so many to choose from. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a lot of the horror is, you know, maybe at the time, like, wow, look at the kind of effects, you know, so it's a little campy from yeah. our current time. Um, but there's still, there were a few scenes where I thought just psychologically, this is hard to watch. I mean, like as much as I know, like, okay, that's clearly fake or the blood is just like spattered ketchup that looks like they threw it off a paintbrush onto them. Like, you know, I've seen, you know, I see the walking dead and things are very graphic and clear. Um, and so, you know, I, I didn't, that, that part of it doesn't really affect me. But for instance, there was one scene where it was like, they're forcing the kids of this guy to like lower him onto a pitchfork sticking out of the ground or whatever. And this guy's laughing um, the whole time. And it's totally silly on one standpoint but at the same time i was feeling like just kind of like gross inside like it was it it was working like the the, the different scenes like that um some of the other ones i thought were just okay that's dumb or that's silly or people just falling over but that one in particular for some reason because of how like contrived the torture aspect of it was or how like just the the whole scenario i was like this this is really terrible like maybe yeah like communism sucks. <laughs> you know, I mean, I totally bought into it pretty, uh, that, that affected me quite a bit. Yeah. I think a scene that stuck out to me was the, uh, the schoolroom scene and the, <laughs> <laughs> so brilliant. <laughs> the teacher's Lord name. Jesus didn't bring you any candy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, damn, that's a good argument. I can't compete oh, with that. <laughs> yeah. So give good. us the outline of that scene. That was fantastic. All right. So the teacher comes into the classroom who is, you know, in full communist soldier garb. And the, the teacher's name is Com- Comrade Teacher from from the credits, <laughs> which I think is wonderful. Um, he asks all the kids if they believe in Jesus and most of the little white children raise their hands and say, yeah. And then he essentially decides to put their Jesus to the test and see if, if Jesus can produce candy. And he's like, look, Jesus can't produce candy, all the while sounding like a Jack Nicholson is having a stroke. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And after he says, hey, look, Jesus can't produce candy. He says, you know who can produce candy? Our faithful leader, Fidel Castro. And then he (laughs) proceeds to hand out candy to the kids. That was my favorite scene in the whole movie. It made me laugh. The line, like, it's still stuck in my head where it's like, I don't see any candy. I don't, I don't taste any candy. <laughs> there is no candy. Your Jesus didn't bring us any candy. That's great. I want to get a yeah. t-shirt that says your Jesus didn't bring us any candy. <laughs> That's so fantastic. That would, I would wear that t-shirt. I love how the, the masters of manipulation, because the communists are framed that way in, in the rhetoric of this film, are basically like using the very thing that is like almost the stereotype of what someone who's a manipulator would use. Like they didn't even bother to write a scene that actually showed, you know, real masterful manipulation. It was just, Oh, it's kids candy. Let's just go with that. Yeah. (laughs) That scene, it does start with them saying, you know, the pastor character saying uh, the real pastor guy saying something about like with, um, you know, they will brainwash our kids with, you know, uh, cruelty and subtlety or something like that. <laughs> like it, it literally says subtlety. And I was like, okay, let's see how he goes. And it was pretty on the nose. <laughs> like it's about the least subtle candy. And then it's like the kids must be idiots because it's not like the candy appears, right? He like knocks on the door and has his, you know, fellow henchmen walk through with a bag that pours on. <laughs> like see how Fidel Castro, when you pray to him. And then the towards walks- the end, he's like throwing up the candy and he's yeah. like glorious yeah. candy for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, wonderful it was oh, great see that scene i thought was entertaining and and going back to adam what you were talking about about like being disturbed pretty much my whole life like horror films i love them i watch all i've, I've seen a lot of the old exploitation films from 
the you know around this era uh the 80s you know slasher films um so i've I've seen the goriest of the goriest and never had a problem enjoy them um which I, i i'm i know the glaring hypocrisy of that considering the fact that i'm a pacifist but uh but in this one there's that scene where he's describing how they'll take the kids and he's got this sharpened bamboo yeah like and and forgive me this is if you haven't seen this movie and you can't deal with graphic stuff don't don't go watch this because this scene like even me i was like oh my gosh all the violence seems to be first of all directed towards kids or most of it does which is very odd and there seems to be like a gross like reveling in the violence of the film it just Mm -hmm. really disturbing as well but basically this this communist slash Nazi slash every bad guy in film caricature of the communist comes over and takes a bamboo shoot and like shoves it in the ear of this child. Then they back out and they show the little thing sticking out of his ear. And then I'm pretty sure the, the kid is like legitimately throwing up because then yeah, I was just it like, really oh does look it was like really, yeah. really disturbing. And it was like jarring and just. Really, for me, highlighted the, the the central hypocrisy of the entire film, which was we are here to bring about goodness, but we're using the very like medium that because the, the whole point of the exploitation film was to push the boundaries of contemporary morality and like put stuff out there that people weren't seeing to kind of get people to open up a little bit and be a little bit more open with the way that they approach the world. And they're using this very medium that pushes those boundaries. And especially they're pushing the boundaries of violence. Obviously, they're not showing anyone who's nude or they're not using any cussing, which, you know, those are the the boundaries we don't show in Christian films. But violence, graphic violence, we're fine with that. And it was was that whole moment. I was like, man, that is the epitome of this film. Yeah, I I noticed that as well. There's a lot of contradictory messages of, you know, look at there. I think there was one point where the the pastor was uh, talking about all the, the violence and, and things that they see in cartoons and TV and see that juxtaposed with poorly done images of gore to see those juxtaposed was very, uh, I think confusing and wasn't, I made me kind of unsure of what message they were trying to communicate with that. Yeah. Cause it was in the midst of that tirade in his sermon about like all the different sins that people are, are approaching, mm-hmm. you know, the, the yeah. strange young people, the public school, you know, the public school, when they cut to that scene where the guy <laughs> is like talking about, cause now the public schools, instead of teaching us the three R's, they're teaching us sexual education. And it goes to this guy who's, <laughs> who, who's about to show the class, like the seven erotic zones of women. And I'm thinking, Man, that would have been a way better sex ed class. <laughs> That's right. I was I was legitimately kind of disappointed when they cut away. I yeah. was like, oh, oh, oh okay. like, man, I could really use that. <laughs> None of us Googled. <laughs> Wait, what are they? What are the seven? No, we didn't. Do that. No, we didn't. But but like it was moments like that, and then they they go on like the drive-in theater and all the the den of iniquity that happens there, like all these places, and then dancing. I loved how his I think his what was it the f- dancing is like just as front, wrong as it's always been. Yeah, and the front door. <laughs> to adultery That's what right. starts on the dance floor ends in the bedroom or something like that yeah the drive-in theater is a spawning house for sex there it is yeah and it was like have you ever been to a drive-in theater like <laughs> <laughs> there was this clear like disconnect like this is what we're assuming and telling people are happening at these places which i'm sure it happens from time to time but it's not like a den of it <laughs> it's not all over the place and uh and, and and then when they talk about marriage, you know, they talk about how the, these pastors are marrying people who've been married before. And again, that was another one of those moments where it was like marriage becoming the central focus. You take away people who've been married before and replace it with people from the LGBTQ community. Like that whole marriage rhetoric still very much alive in certain areas. It was just mm-hmm. it was crazy. The, the things that they put out there. Yeah. Another uh, scene that I thought was particularly terrible. They were, he was talking about a woman that got catcalled for wearing a sh- skirt that was too short in church. Yes. <laughs> and like, then you're like, okay, so the church was bad. No. It yeah. was, yeah. yeah. It was the woman's fault for wearing a skirt that was too short. It was absurd. One of, one of my favorite scenes is that like, there's a, a group of people sitting in benches outside. Um, it's kind of like a field, I'm guessing. It's kind of dark, so you don't really see the setting. But it's under this like, this is what's going to happen. 
if mm. the communist comes, you'll be sitting in benches with no cushions or backs, <laughs> which is like <laughs> you're stabbing kids through the ear with a bamboo shoot. You're shooting people in the gut after they like accept Jesus and you're mowing down people with and machine guns. Taking away and their cushions. Taking away the cushion. It's like, wait a second. I'm sure you know people are just like looking at their pews, like, wait a minute, this doesn't have any cushions. Um, <laughs> but then they're they're forced to repeat over and over, right? Communism is good. Christianity is stupid. Give up, <laughs> give up, give up. That would have been a much better ending, right? Yeah. Yeah. If, like that was the last rhetoric and they he starts saying they take away the cushions and then everyone looks at their oh, their yeah. seats and there's no cushions and then yeah. he ends up being no. the communist. Oh goodness, that would have been that would have been great. An ending for the ages. <laughs> Another thing I thought was super funny was that, you know, I get it that there's horses in the title, but there's like horses throughout the film. And <laughs> You know, I'm, it's in the title. I get it. I understand. But from a militaristic standpoint, that makes exactly zero sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially within the context of the 70s. I don't think yeah. they were still... I get they were trying to, you know, go with the whole... Because the whole thing, you know, you may hear the title and you're like, well, what's that? Well, it's based off of, of scripture in Jeremiah 12, 5, which says, if you have run with footmen and they have tired you out, then how can you compete with horses? Mm-hmm. If you fall down in the land of peace, how will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? So it's like, you know, the the undergoing analogy is you think it's bad now, wait till whatever. Yeah. So yeah, but th- so they, they, they definitely exhausted the whole... In fact, I only think they used a vehicle once when they were shipping away That's the right. kids in the back of the pickup truck, right? It was Ford, too. American-made. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Russia, or I guess Cuba, or whoever, China, any of them. <laughs> At least they're using our vehicles. It's true. Well, they took us over, they might as well. Yeah, it's true. Okay, I, I just want to say one of my favorite things that he said. Okay, at the very beginning, and this is just like a little Easter egg, the guy who plays the boyfriend of Judy, so she gets mm-hmm. dropped off by him, and they clearly are some kind of like... Uh, you know, they're a couple and probably doing all sorts of devious fornications. So he's the son, I think, of the producer. He like has a little, I mean, or of Ron Ormond, I think. Is that the guy's name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So his son gets to be in a bunch of movies, I think. And so that was his part. I believe I got that right. I could be wrong. But I, I just love that she, I don't know if she makes the offer or asks him at the very beginning of the film if he'd like to come in. And he says, I'm a lover, not a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know, maybe that has a lot more relevance in the like early 70s about hippie culture or something. But, um, oh man, I thought that was, that's hilarious. Yeah. It's, it's part of those strange young those people. Strange people coming to churches <laughs> dressed in mini skirts. So what I think the film really struggles with, I mean, we kind of pointed out earlier, but just this, like the, um, the paradoxes or the, the contradictions. And so I, I just, afterwards, I have a really difficult time summing up like, what is the point? Like, so I get the like anti-communism. That seems, that message is very clear. Communism is bad. And if we don't change, if we don't repent, if we don't keep going to churches, not just on Sunday mornings, but Sunday evenings as well, then communism, then the Lord or somehow God is going to allow for communism to take over our country, I think is like the main maybe premise. But what's missing for me, and this is true for all the other, like for both the God is not dead movies as well, is this any kind of like positive sense necessarily about what does it mean? to be a Christian. I mean, so in this one, they do a much better job of just listing it out, like read your Bible more, uh, pray more, don't watch TV. You know, it's more like there's a a clear moral that's given. Mm -hmm. Um, But as far as like what Jesus does in your life, other than turn you away from, you know, these four activities and towards these four activities, there's not a lot of hope or a lot of sense of yeah, what does it even mean? Or or joy, as you were saying, Jeff, or like what is good news or what is it that we as Christians ought to be doing other than perpetuating the kind of 1950s lifestyle? I mean, you really see that there's this built-in belief in Christendom almost, or that like our nation used to be this, you know, and here we go again, right, with the the current political rhetoric is this, you know, we had this beautiful very godly, we're a Christian nation, something, 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 who knows, you know, fill in the blank with all what that is, leave it to Beaver. And because of drive-in movies, because of the advent of the television, whatever it is, the the technology was a huge problem in this movie um, or came up as a big, like, that's a bad thing. But because of all that, we're about to lose all that. So what we need to do is get rid of everything. Mm -hmm. And that to me is the problem with like evangelicalism in general is this move of like, we just need to purify whatever it is. And then, then we're good as opposed to any kind of active, you know, here's what it looks like other than, you know, the actions that will lead to the purification of yourself or other people. Um, there's no sense of what does it look like to actually 
you know, be a part of the kingdom of God coming or, you know, the actual, the whatever, um, you know, the Lord's prayer, things like that. None of that. You don't get any sense that that matters in this world, mm-hmm. um, which is super frustrating <laughs> yeah, and ultimately disappointing as a, a movie that's trying to bring people into or to repent or to, you know, to bring, I mean, ultimately it seemed like the movie had a built-in altar call, right? It's like, it happens to Judy. And I, I can imagine if churches showed this in the seventies or whatever, that that was, at, you know, you cut the movie at the end and then you, there you go, invite people to come on down and change their life and let God heal them or, but to do what? This is the big question mark. For what purpose other than to continue this kind of nice white American life? Mm-hmm. Which white, I mean, clearly this is taking place in the South. Clearly this is uh, you know, even the mentioning of the riots and the discontent in society and communism and universities being places where communism is thriving, like that whole concept, you know, those are all the results of the civil rights movement. Like this yeah. is, mm-hmm. it's it's not said outright. Um, and even if you were back in 1971 and maybe asked him outright, probably wouldn't say anything, but there was definitely this whitewashing mm-hmm. of the entire thing. And not only that, but honestly, the name of Jesus was mentioned more by the communist throughout the film yeah. than anything <laughs> that he said throughout the entire film, except for the end when, you know, it's time to accept Jesus now. That's a good yeah. point. Well, and the, like the main, I don't, it could have just been, I mean, this is an old movie and I mean, I mean like the quality of the, this isn't high def. You're not going to find it in anything more than like, you know, 160p or something yeah. like that. But I, so I don't know if this was an effect of the coloring or of the, um, you know, just the grade of the film, but it seems like that the main kind of guy that you see over and over as the communist kind of figurehead is kind of a darker brown, like looking, I mean, maybe Italian, I don't know, but had slightly, you know, maybe it's just the clothes too, but I had this impression that he was like a darker person and, you know, that kind of fits with the, um, I don't know if it was trying to explicitly be racist, but it just seemed like, you know, like cartoons or whatever, other things that put like, oh, it's a darker colored yeah. thing that well, is the bad thing. They 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 had that one close-up shot of his face that they used over and over again. And the screen that I was watching on, it looked like they did that on purpose. Like it looked like he was wearing makeup. Like yeah. That they ba- yeah. Borderline blackface, mm-hmm. right? Like sure. that just kind of, like you're saying, making him a little bit darker than maybe he was in real life. And that could have been just the low quality and it was just regular stage makeup, but it certainly was hard not to at least entertain the idea that that was happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, something like the Westerns at the same time, right? Like it's just like the, the bad guys are yeah. slightly darker, but yeah, that's dark is equals bad. Light is good. I yeah. mean, that was clear in there. You mentioned, um, <laughs> you mentioned cartoons and when he's going <laughs> <Sorry>. through like, <laughs> when he's going through the sins of all the things and, and then when he gets to the sin of watching too much TV and not reading your Bible and then he's talking about, look at the cartoons that the kids are watching and then he lists like crime, sex and murder and I'm like, where were those cartoons? <laughs> like, I don't remember watching any cartoons with any of that stuff. You know, maybe sort of murder. Um, but <laughs> right. but Wile E. Coyote was, never dies. Yeah, so yeah. I want to know what cartoons like are in his mind when yeah. he's thinking about some of those things. He always but resurrected. Love, yeah. <laughs> well, and I love like the the montage for that or the video like documentary of what's happening shows like from the vantage point of the TV looking out with like, you know, a kid and his dad with TV trays in front. Uh, you know, the kids watching, it seems like a TV, I don't know if it's there or not, but like watching the cartoons and how distracting they are. And, and he says something to like, you know, how can the, how can reading the Bible compete with watching the cartoons or something? Because the dad's like trying to read the Bible in front of yeah. a loud TV with his kid all excited and like looks up and then slowly like closes the Bible and sets it aside. I feel like that role in particular had to have been so fun to play. Like that guy getting to be. Gives the, the son the nudge. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah this, is this is great. This is yeah. better than Leviticus. This is awesome. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> that was wonderful. And he seemed kind of embarrassed too. Like, he's like, yeah, like looking around uh, like. Oh. Mom's going to yeah. find out. <laughs> That was the other thing, like, yeah, men not going to church. That was kind of highlighted at one point. Oh, like yeah, they're yeah. dropping, you know, fathers not yeah. dropping off kids and their mom, but not going themselves. I have to say, though, those 70s uh, church perms were pretty rad. <laughs> yeah, it was very, very 70s. Not yeah. as much as A Thief in the Night, if you've ever seen that one. I, but, I have not. I'll put it on oh, the watch list. You should check that out. Maybe we'll do that one day on this one after we have some distance between <laughs> end times movies. Yeah, because this is not a rapture movie. Because no. That's right. at the end of this movie, which was different from the ones we see, like Left Behind and all that kind of stuff, you could tell the theology of, of Reverend Perkle was... There is no rapture. Like, we're all going to go through this. You're not going to escape the torment. You can only remain faithful through it. So we're definitely dealing with a a post-trib conservative Baptist. 
and then along those lines, like it's very nationalistic, right? Yes, like his message absolutely. was, if we don't do this, communists are going to take over and God is going to choose another nation. That's like, right. Yeah. Why? First of all, why can't God choose many nations? Like, why does it have to be one nation at a time? And uh, especially in regard to the fact that Jesus has come and his whole, you know, mandate of the Great Commission, <laughs> all the world. Uh, but yeah, it was very like very explicit, like it has to be our country. And if we we squander this, then it'll be someone like Ethiopia. He mentions all these random Indonesia, countries. Yeah, yeah, or just, Brazil. Yeah. I mean, that is another place where I feel like it's more clear in the movie, but that same mentality exists. I think it's it's hidden behind more political correctness um, in evangelical, evangelical churches today. But that mindset, I mean, the idea of Christendom is still very much, I mean, I don't know if anybody even use that language, but it's still very much, you know, if God, you know, it, so it ends, the movie ends in some ways with the, um, is it Second Chronicles? I can't remember the exact passage. Clearly shows that I'm, <laughs> my post-evangelical is showing. Um, I've watched too many cartoons. I know, I, I haven't, I can't, I can't <laughs> claim it. But the whole passage of, you know, if my people repent and pray and whatever, you know, call it, you know, I'll heal their land is the, the abridged Adam version. I'd read that. Yeah. Um, or, you know, the lawn sign that we still see in some places. Um, but that, that, that idea that, you know, God's favor is somehow on, is on America, right? I mean, that's part of our own songs. You know, God shed his grace on thee. Um, so that, that marrying of the religious expression and experience um, and, you know, maybe particular denominations are definitely the evangelical experience and the religious right, like with patriotism and nationalism um well yeah just like it's funny in the movie because it's so unfiltered they're just straight up about it but i think that same mentality is very strong still now we just don't talk about it in the same way or maybe we've lost the language for it or we i mean the evangelical world has lost the language for it or smart enough or savvy enough not to but still kind of hopes for that and so you know i think again that's another strong uh force and why you see so many white with less education evangelical folks voting the way that they did um, is this hope for that return that god will show favor on the united states and if we don't you know be better christians or you know tell everybody that god is not dead then god's favor is going to move somewhere else like indonesia <laughs> well any any final thoughts before we introduce our 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 rating system at the very end of the movie one of the things that the pastor says to Judy, she basically, I mean, it's the classic altar call, asks her, are you, basically something like, are you ready to get your life right with God? For the life of me, I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, like, I think there, within the church exp experience, um, especially within the evangelical world, I think there's a sense of what that is, what that might mean. Um, but this is another way where I feel like films like this and others really trouble me is, even as someone who's come from that, I mean, I guess it would mean, you know, that you would find your place in the kind of Christian culture. Um, but to anybody else on the outside um, who, you know, who wouldn't claim evangelical for them or even Christianity or anything, it, it doesn't mean anything. Like, I mean, or, or it's just so, I, I don't mean to speak for people, but I just mean to say that's, it's kind of code or whatever. Um, and it feels like it's a way that actually keeps people out. Um, or or expo exposes that reality to me, which is why I have a really hard time with movies that focus around some kind of altar call or some sort of, you know, what ultimately ends up being an evangelical message is because it still builds up these walls about who's in and who's out um, and, and offers no real like instruction or help for how do you get in without assimilation basically without looking exactly like we do. And if you watch the film, right, unless you're a white 1960s kind of person, you're not really welcome here or you're a part of the problem. So that's a fun light note. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, these are, these are final thoughts. What about you, Dylan? Um, well, I had one thing that I wanted to, to bring up that Adam kind of mentioned earlier is that there's no, which I think we've seen in a lot of, of the, all the movies that we've done. There's, there's very little like positive reinforcement for what, what it does look like to live live out Christianity or to besides, you know, go to church when you're you're supposed to or, you know, there's there's no I guess real world or practical advice that people would understand if they weren't already a part of the church or people people would be able to to live out if they weren't already involved in this very specific uh expression of, of Christianity. 
Or even if you are in the church. Like, yeah. so I do all those yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, now yeah. what? Absolutely. <laughs> what happens when grandma dies or what happens, you know, it's like, or, you know, when the farm goes belly up or whatever, there's zero hope. It's just get on, you know, sign your card and get in. Yeah. I had a, a question I want to ask you guys. Why, why do you, why do you each of you think that this movie showed up when it did? So what, what was going on in the, uh, the collective Christian faith at this time that, that wanted to, to get this message out there? When you started to say you had a question, I was hoping you were going to follow that with, will you come? <laughs> will you come? I think he says it four times. That's, that's, that's personal information. We have candy. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, I don't, I, I wish I knew more about history. Um, I was thinking, oh man, with, I mean, because communists did kill a bunch of people <laughs> uh there was some like you know i think legitimate fear at the time i mean it was definitely blown out of proportion and used politically but so i don't i don't know a ton of history um i i wish i you know knew specifics more but it was clear that like i mean i think i said this kind of but just that i think people felt like they were they were losing the culture that they understood and they knew hmm. of people mm-hmm. regular of, of like just being in like that normal life for everyone around them meant that, you know, you go to church a couple of times and the Bible is central to everything. I um, mean, you pray and, you know, you don't have sex before you get married and you just be a good little boy and a little girl and you respect your, your mom and your pa and that's what you do. And when social norms, um, especially right in the 60s, late in the 60s and 70s start to change and you think, oh man, I heard about, you know, this thing happening on the campus. I mean, you know, uh, we, we did campus stuff to ministry together, right, Dylan? I remember uh, one of our friends telling us that a parent called her. This is only like a couple of years ago asking like, is it true that people are like having sex in the hallways of the dorms or whatever? Oh you know, goodness. like like people still think that. Sometimes, you know, they're coming from that kind of background. And so, I mean, right, especially during like the, I don't know, the, the, the kind of free love movement that was going on in the 60s, you see that and was such a counter or, or such a, you know, di- different and such an extreme life experience that was outside of what, you know, the 1950s leave it to beaver mindset was that because of that extremity or whatever, there's this fear. And again, those people, I think kind of saw themselves as normal and somewhat as the power players or, or, you know, like everything was fine. I mean, I think it's, it just goes back to like white power or whatever, white supremacy. This is how everything works. And then, you know, that gets threatened a little bit. And the problem is these, you know, these other people that are acting different and who aren't you know, why, I mean, it's the ultimate conservative. Um, well, I think conservative and, you know, liberal, they need to balance each other out. It was like, you know, the extreme, the conservative, which was probably felt like the liberal was being really extreme. Um, and so, man, we really need to warn people because, man, it's really easy then to identify these things in the Bible. It's like, Jesus is coming back, or if that's not the case, communism is going to destroy us, or I don't know, just when you had such an easy enemy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is, this is that, that moment in history where you could still probably consider us a Christian nation where there was still a great majority of the people within the nation that went to church or had experience in church much more so than now. But it's also in the midst of this cold war, you don't know what's going to happen. You think, I mean, literally in schools, they're just coming off of having drills to, you know, for atomic bombs. Get and under stuff your like desk that. if the A bomb drops. Yeah, exactly. And this is the precursor to the Jesus movement. So within the 70s, where you had all these people influx into the church because there was just a shift and there was a, a, a greater openness for spirituality and stuff like that. So this was kind of almost like a like a perfect mixture of things that were coming together mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of these movies became effective, you know, effective to the point that even in the 90s, they were still showing movies like this and it still influenced a whole another influx with the Left Behind series about using this tactic of the world is coming to an end, things are getting worse. And it's kind of hard not to believe that when you go from Hitler to the Cold War into the 90s and, you know, and then now into the terrorism that we're seeing today. And ignore, you know, actual statistics about how crime and all that is, is, is going down, but you just go off the feeling of what's being put out there in the news. So it's, 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 it's this perfect mixture. And I think that this movie in particular, you know, I came from a, a Pentecostal background. So the, the last half of this movie, I really related to. Because you know how he's going, the first half of the movie is his sermon telling everything that's going to happen intercut by hypothetical scenarios with the communists. 
But then the last part is the the woman responding to words that she's hearing from the pulpit and flashing to moments that relate to it. And that was me yeah. in youth yeah. group growing up. Like I would hear that message and I'd be like literally like it visualized the very thing that I was doing in my mind. I was like, oh, I did that. And I was going to situations that I felt guilty about that led me to essentially cry out like she did in the end and come to many and many altar calls and and let that guilt which put me in the place that we've talked about before with these movies is it put me in the place of not really knowing where to go except for enter into a cycle of doing something bad, feeling guilty, going to an altar, doing something bad. And that felt like what the Christian life was because there was nothing after that. And and this is these these movies kind of heighten that. The theology behind these movies heighten that. It's more about fear and what's going to happen if you don't as opposed to what to do. And it's especially disconcerting because it's coming off of the civil rights movement, like the very embodiment of what we're supposed to do with this good news and almost reacting against it. Hmm. Are we going to watch more apocalyptic style movies? Like, I think we do we do. need to group these somehow? Or? I, don't, I think we need to space them out. Yeah. I think we'll get, we'll get apocalyptic. Yeah, we might get out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah. Well, maybe we'll wait. That's a good idea. For, yeah. Because eventually, I feel like we have to do the Nicolas Cage left behind. Oh, for sure. Because if if we're going to be talking about movies and we don't do one with Nicolas Cage, I'm just going to feel like we've robbed people. Yeah. Um, We're really just wasting our time if we don't do that. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But uh, we have a great movie next month, and then we'll we'll plan out some other stuff, and we'll we'll talk about that at the end of the show. Uh, So we've come up with a rating system. So the, the premise of this conversation that we're having is these movies representing Christianity on some level. So we decided instead of like five-star review or some other ones that we threw out there, we are going to do a scale of one to 30 silver pieces. 30 silver pieces being this movie has completely sold out the gospel and it is the, the, the antithesis of everything it stands for. One piece of silver being, you know, actually this is pretty good and in line with the gospel itself. So this is our <laughs> unique review system. So tell me, gentlemen, how many pieces of silver does this film get for you? Oh, uh, I can go first. Um, I'm going to say uh, 27. And the reason it's not a full 30 is because I am unsure about whether or not his actual claimed events that have happened did actually happen in, in other communist countries. So I'll give that the the benefit of, of the doubt. So for the, the, the possibility of truth in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> unfair because you can't, uh, it's not unverifiable. That's fair. Right? That's fair. I don't know. I can't say it. I'm, I'm too much of a, a generous person, I guess you could say, to <laughs> to go the full 30 for that reason. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So I was, man, I'm, I feel like all rating systems, I kind of adjust as I go. Uh, but I was going to say something like 20 because, um, I'm torn between like the, the, in some way, this is extremely accurate in its portrayal, right? Of what, uh, evangelical folks, um, like, I really think you could show this in today's, you know, some evangelical churches and they might think, okay, it's a little campy or, you know, hopefully they would think that, but, um, they might say, yeah, that's, that's the message. The gospel was preached at the end and there is a response that's required and asked the people. Um, but as far as like, yeah how the, the why it's there and not at 10 or something is because i feel like it just misses the like there's nothing about what is the good news um other than jesus saves you from commies i guess i'll say 20 and then and yeah i think it's ac- it's fairly accurate and i mean especially like you're saying jeff the christianity that i grew up with uh wouldn't have had that much of a different message yeah um i'm i'm going to those are kind of the same reasons that you guys are going i'm not going to go the full 30 although i'm tempted but i feel like I'm going to save the one and the 30 for those special gems that come along. Go. And I think yeah. this, this just misses that criteria only because, Adam, what you were saying is that there's a lot that I remember, like, this was my Christianity for a long time. And and I think that there is some uh, there is some truth to being aware of how things may be re- rising. And although, you know, maybe the three of us being more left-leaning Christians wouldn't necessarily feel that way in regards to communism or something like that. But we certainly probably all at least a tinge feel that way about the current direction of our political future in, in America, that we do have some red flags popping up. So I do think that that's part of our responsibility as Christians is to be aware of the world around us and combat danger in some way. So even though we don't agree with what is dangerous, I still relate with that. And then I just... 
it was weird. It was weird watching those movies and feeling like, man, I'm back in youth group and yeah. I'm having this. Yeah. I almost like got up from my chair and like went to the TV and <laughs> kneeled down. Or something. The altar. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with 25 pieces nice. of silver because it is it is genuinely still um, an awful movie that that uses. <laughs> that that's message is completely antithetical to the method and the genre of film that it's choosing to express that message in, which bothers me to no end. So, and fear conversion is the yeah, worst thing true. in the world. Yeah. So I'm going, I'm going with 25. So I think we're do it for your dead mother. I know, right. Oh man. <laughs> Not for your own like So <laughs> Yeah. I feel like there should have been like an end credit scene where everyone's in heaven, just throwing up candy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just, Jesus came through. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Woo! does give us candy. And I, <laughs> all right. Anyway. Smarties. Um, so, so do you recommend this movie? Like when, and when we say recommendation, we're saying like, it's worth checking out because for the most part, the movies we're going to be looking at, I think there are going to be some exceptions along the way, but for the most part, the films that we're going to be looking at really are, um, not ones that we would recommend as far as like, if you want to watch a good movie, if you have a propensity towards watching bad movies and enjoying them and having some enjoyment from those then then that's what we mean by recommend that it's worth checking out so so what do you two think is worth do you give this your thumbs up your recommendation to go see it i'm gonna say absolutely thumbs up uh it's one it's just it's a great example of propaganda films and the exploitation like uh that whole genre like you see i mean it's you know, I, I like, I agree with your assessment that the, you know, it's a paradox or that like contradicts itself, but it's like, this is, it's different, right? Then, I mean, you don't sit down and watch this kind of movie. So if anybody that's like interested in the kind of different ways movies and uh, narrative has been told, this is great. Um, it's like, yeah, this is what it, you know, what a movie is like back then. Um, not all movies, not at all, but I mean like this kind of movie and, and also to see like the extreme of which to be able to compare with modern Christian movies to see like, we haven't come that far sometimes. <laughs> I'm all for it. Thumbs up. Um, I'd say probably with the the caveat or the asterisk that if you uh, maybe if you grew up in a, a setting like yours, Jeff, it might have some uh, trigger triggers in it for <laughs> you. So, uh, but yeah, if you want to check out something that is that is truly uh, a work. Not of art, but just <laughs> it's a work. <laughs> then, yeah, go see this movie. It'll be it'll be a good forty five minutes. I would I would say the same thing with the the caveat also that if you don't like horror B movie exploitation films, then don't watch it because you're not going to like it. Like that's true. It if you don't like gore, you don't like that kind of stuff. Don't go watch it because it's not worth it because it's not going to be something you're interested in. Um, but if you like that kind of film, it's it's a, it's it should be at the top of your list to go see because it is uh, everything that that genre of film should be and then also shouldn't be <laughs> in any way shape or form um, and and as far as like recommendations if you're not going to see this what films you should see uh, again I would say if you like exploitation films uh, a good modern example of that would be um, Quentin Tarantino's uh, homage to this type of film grindhouse where he in one movie he does a double feature and kind of mimics why people went to go see these movies and the the scenarios and places they went to go see them in the first place uh, his work is very influenced by this genre of film also the original dawn of the dead great movie and then pretty much any of the black exploitation films from the 70s are fantastic uh, there's one called the mac with richard Pryor that uh, is one of his first films that is very uh, uh really Really good. If you like that genre. If you don't like that genre, none of this is worth checking out. Um, what about other films you guys recommend along these lines? Uh, if you were looking for a really good apocalyptic movie, I would say go see Children of Men. It is a wonderful uh, Ooh, good one. uh, yeah, post-apocalyptic movie where humanity is stopping able to have children. And the lead actor is Clive Owen, and he plays someone who has lost all hope in the world and, and political system. And then there's a turn of events that uh, kind of brings him back into the, the political struggle you could say. So that's all I'll say. Um, yeah, definitely one of my favorite movies. There's it's directed by Alfonso Cuaron, which is one of my favorite directors and it's just beautifully shot and, and so well done. Yeah, the movie I would recommend um, 
it only makes sense if you do watch this movie. So it's like the, the, to get the perspective of the other side, I would say, watch the movie that I referenced earlier, the battleship Potemkin. It was a movie that was commissioned by Stalin that shows basically that it's to like highlight the greatness of communism. Uh, there's no single character. Uh, it, the, the, the way the movie is shot as a propaganda film shows unity it shows like community it's like it's all focused on a bunch of people you know basically the power of the state um and then there's a great scene of which uh other movies have later copied so if you like uh, i think it's goodfellas um there's a scene where like this baby carriage is going down these untouchables uh, untouchables Mm -hmm. there you go Mm -hmm. that's copied from the movie it's an homage to the battleship potemkin there's a, a scene called the stairs of odessa where that same kind of scene happens and you'll get like the, the, even the style is very similar, but you, <laughs> I almost feel like if this was the movie that's playing in like churches in America, the battleship Potemkin movie is the one that's playing, you know, in the streets or whatever of, of Russia and other places. Yeah. Um, huh. All right. Did, did either of you find any kind of review or second opinion on this particular film? And this is a tough one because it's pretty much only on YouTube. I, I found one review. So th- this is where we like to get a second opinion. Let's call this a redeemed perspective. There you go. And nice. we got to stick with the the, <laughs> <laughs> the religious imagery for our segments. Um, but th- I couldn't find anything because obviously this isn't something that is on Amazon that you can buy. It's, I don't know, it's probably out of print, which is why the only place we can find it on YouTube. Um, but I found random blogs and uh, this one person said, so this isn't a redeemed perspective. This has come more along the lines of where we're at. Uh, this person said, a 1971 piece of propaganda that has the audacity to claim that 60 years ago there were no communists. However, consider the following events that happened before 1911. Communist Manifesto was published in 1848. The first international communist party was 1864. Paris Commune founded in 1871 and the Russian Revolution, which was in 1905. So I know the Russian Revolution is accurate. I'm loose on the (laughs) other dates, but it sounds right. So, uh, and then uh, someone on IMDb wrote a quick little review. They gave it three out of 10 stars. (laughs) (laughs) And they said, this movie was one that all our local churches gathered for a viewing when it first came out. I remember screaming and hiding my face in daddy's shirt. It was the single most terrifying movie I had watched as a child. Horror movies viewed as a teen never left such an impression on me as this movie did. It is not such a scary show now in this day and age, but at the time it was not a movie for a child to see. My parents, and this is the best part, my parents have always apologized when this movie has been brought up in conversation. So, so please keep in mind that while this movie is okay for older children and up, which I, not older children, no children should watch this, watch this movie. It's not appropriate for children who have yet learned the difference between what's real and what's not, which is a ridiculous statement because this movie is proposing that all of this is real. Oh, yeah, yeah, already um, yeah, it is. Anyway. I have one, uh, well, two things. Uh, One was a a YouTube review. This person says, the decapitation scene woke me up. I think this movie has given me brain cancer. Um, (laughs) And then somebody else claiming, and I didn't double check this. It could be that uh, he says, Ron Orman's fake accent is so poorly done that I genuinely can't tell if his character is supposed to be Russian or Cuban. So I don't know. Is the main guy Ron Orman himself? That could be. I mean, the main uh, communist guy. Uh Oh. This, this person question. could have re- not noticed. Um, and now that you say it, I can kind of, or now that this person says it, I can kind of feel like I could see that, like an actor trying to go between like Russian half the time and then their, you know, distorted version of what they imagine a Cuban accent to be would make sense for what happened to the vocal gymnastics going on. But Well, he was, uh, I'm looking at his IMDb right now and uh, he was accredited as an actor in Footman Tire, What Will Horses Do? So I if that's him. Yeah. I don't know how this person knows, but that's pretty cool. Well, there's a lot on this guy because like there's a lot of the the reason I even found out about this movie in the first place is because I was reading a book on um, film subgenres and exploitation films and stuff. And it had a whole chapter on Christian exploitation films and it largely centered around this movie. And I had always thought that the thief in the night was the first like major end times movie. And uh, when I stumbled across this gem, I was pleasantly surprised (laughs) um nice i think my my favorite youtube comment would be a uh 
drive-in theaters were the Netflix and chill of the 20th century. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Well said. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that is going to do it this time for our Divine Cinema Review. We'll be back next week with our regular Irenacast episodes. And at the, the very last episode of this year, we will return with Divine Cinema. And we will be going over Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas. <laughs> We gotta we gotta keep it holiday themed. So we'll have a Christmas theme, Jeff. We're saving Christmas, not the holidays. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. We we're going for a Christmas theme. Merry not Christmas. a holiday theme. <laughs> I I am in air and I apologize. Uh there's no candy for me tonight. <laughs> so we will be going over that movie. Join us for that. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be interesting. And yeah, so we will continue doing this. Give us your feedback. Let us know. We've already gotten a couple suggestions for um, from listeners for future movies. So we did get a suggestion from Emily who suggested Christian Mingle, which uh, we yeah. all found out that nice. there's it a exists? Christian Mingle movie. <laughs> yeah. So look forward to that in the yeah. pretty immediate future sometime after Saving Christmas and uh, send us your requests. And we will also look at some movies that could be considered Christian that, that are actually good films. We won't always concentrate on that. But... Uh, there are there are things that deserve criticism, and uh, <laughs> some of these clearly do. Particular so, people, and <laughs> right. Uh, so our intent is not to be mean, but our intent is to be um, critical, which we all need. Uh, so for this edition of Divine Cinema, I'm Jeff. I'm Adam, and I am Dylan. See you next time. 